not to fret. Make sure you check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. There we have every hour of the show uploaded for your listening uh, or your, you know, when you want to listen, your listening pleasure. It is there sitting, waiting for you to hit download and waiting for you to listen. So subscribe to that podcast. It is free. It is wherever you do get your podcasts. Hick at night, night spelled N-I-T-E. Check it out today. Geno Smith is playing the Seahawks out of the playoffs. I would have said even a month ago, Seattle was a lock to make the postseason. And now as you said here going into week 13, I'd be shocked if the Seahawks are actually in the playoffs by the time the middle of January rolls around. I do not think Seattle's making it. And I think it would frankly be a miracle if they make the postseason even as a wild card right now in the NFC. And Gino is the biggest reason for that. Like, unfortunately for him, the jig is up. The tape is out. Teams have studied. And 2022 was just a fluke. Came in, right situation. No one really knew what to expect. Good receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Kenneth Walker really, you know, blossomed as a rookie. Pete Carroll's a tremendous head coach against everyone. Rallied. Everyone playing good, disciplined, tough football. It was a perfect storm for Geno Smith to come in and lead the Seahawks to the playoffs in 2022. But signing him to that mistake, signing him to that contract extension, I should say, is a mistake the Seahawks are going to live with for a while. Not because they can't get out of it. It's pretty easy to get out of actually this upcoming offseason. But because instead of drafting a quarterback, when they had a golden opportunity to, they went the Geno Smith extension route. Don't forget, last year, thanks to the Russell Wilson trade and the Broncos totally tanked last year, the Seahawks had their own pick in the 20s after making the playoffs, but also had the Denver Broncos' number five overall pick. They could have double-dipped, have the best of both worlds, make the playoffs, and draft a quarterback. Be a playoff team and bring in a young rookie guy to develop with a good roster around him and carry the Seahawks into the next stratosphere of their development. But instead, the Seahawks got infatuated with Geno, thought what they saw in 2022 was not an anomaly, was more of the rule, not the exception. And now they're paying the price for it. They are paying the price and not only missing out on possibly trading up for C.J. Stroud, trading up for Anthony Richardson, because when you're sitting there at number five, you got to take full advantage of being that draft spot, knowing you're not going to be there again for a while because you plan on being good. So take advantage of being there while you can. So they miss out on a promising young rookie quarterback Run it back with Geno Smith, and now Geno Smith's throwing picks, can't read the field, making bad throws, and is now playing Seattle out of a playoff spot. They're not going to make it. And right now, he's got no counter. Teams have figured out the book. They know how to throw game plans at him just to slow him down. 
and he has right now no answer whatsoever for Seattle. And so now you look at right now the Seahawks, 6-5 and five, going into Thursday night football against the Cowboys. Going to lose that game. No Kenneth Walker. Then, by the way, look at the next two games. At the 49ers, loss. Eagles at home, loss. We're going to be talking about a Seahawks team who's already on a two-game losing streak, about to be on a five-game losing streak, and staring at a 6-8 and eight record with three games to go. That's the reality right now for Seattle. Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. Two on the road, one on a short week, 0-3. They're going to be 6-8, and eight, and they're going to be on the way outside of the playoff race looking up. And in large part, you can point the finger at Geno Smith. Now, the good news for Seattle is all is not lost. Again, they can get out of that contract pretty easily. 17.5, 17.8 is the dead cap hit if they were to cut or trade Geno Smith this upcoming offseason, which they absolutely should. So compared to other dead money hits we've seen, that is very manageable, and that's really nothing. So you can move off of Geno. Number one, that's good. And number two is Seattle's a very, very attractive situation for a lot of potential quarterbacks. Uh, Kirk Cousins, free agent quarterback. Look, I know you got Justin Jefferson and Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. DK? Okay. Tyler Lockett? Still got something left in the tank. Jackson Smith and Jigba has been promising so far as a young rookie. Again, uh, Kenneth Walker. Nice young running back. You got pieces there. So whether it's the Cardinals looking to move off of Kyler Murray, whether it's going after a veteran quarterback that's a free agent like Kirk Cousins, Seattle has options here. And they they are still an attractive spot where quarterbacks will want to play. They got to make a move this offseason to get a new quarterback in there because right now the quarterback they got in Geno Smith is not good enough with a playoff caliber roster to get them back to the playoffs. And on that note, I do want to give you some playoff predictions here. Because if Seattle right now is not going to make the playoffs, then you say, well, Ryan, who? I want to tell you. Because both are wide open. It's ironic. The divisions, for the most part, I think are runaways. Dolphins win in the AFC East. Ravens, I think, locking up the North. Jaguars lock up the South if they're one of the Texans last week. Chiefs, the AFC West, it's been theirs, always has, always will be for a while as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. That's just a check, boom, formality, and now they're going to win the West. Eagles winning the NFC East. Lions winning the North. The West is going to the 49ers. The South is a toss-up. I mean, honestly, that's the only division right now that's wide open. The 5-6 and six Falcons are leading the division. Let's just say for the hell of it, Atlanta wins that division. That's the only one, though, right now that is competitive, And sort of open. So while the divisions for the most part are are not competitive, the wild cards in both the AFC and the NFC, wide open. I think all six wild card spots are up for grabs. So let's talk about it. Let's give you some playoff predictions here. We did just talk about the NFC. Let's stay there. I think the three playoff teams, we will see wild card teams from the NFC Cowboys, which really are the the only real lock. So I said before, there's six wild card spots open. It's really five. The Cowboys are, they're not losing basically every game the rest of the season. 
and missing out on the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. They are locked into that number five seed. So Dallas at five. I think the Vikings move up to the sixth spot, and the Rams sneak into the seventh and final wild card berth. Despite a tough loss there from Minnesota in the game they should have won on Monday night against Chicago, I do like the fact that Justin Jefferson is close to returning. You got one more game without one of the best wide receivers in the NFL before he does return. Um, and now it's like you look, or not even one more game, they have to buy this week, I think. So that's really, now you are set in terms of going forward here with Justin Jefferson returning for your next game in week 14. Whoever is quarterback, whether it's Joshua Dobbs, whether it's Nick Mullins, whether it's Jaron Hall, they're going to be better just from the flat-out fact of Justin Jefferson being back. So I'm not panicking over a bad loss there from Minnesota at home on Monday Night Football against the Bears. I think they will figure it out. Justin Jefferson coming back definitely helps without a doubt. I think when it's all said and done, they will be in the playoffs as a sixth seed. And I like the way the Rams are playing. Don't look now. The Rams are playing some good football. They're top-heavy, but they are finding ways to win. Matthew Stafford is looking more and more like 2021 Matthew Stafford, even with a banged-up Cooper Cup. Puka Nakua has stepped in. Tutu Atwell is making some big plays. Kyron Williams has found, you know, he's come back. I was going to say they found youth, but he missed some time, and, he comes, and he's a young kid anyways. So that doesn't make much sense. Um, so let's move on. He comes in like he never was hurt. Ran all over the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals are bad, but still, nice, impressive return for Kyron Williams uh, from getting injured. This this Rams team is spunky and, by the way, also have a key tiebreaker in the fact that they swept the Seahawks in the season series. So they hold the tiebreaker over Seattle if their records are the same. That is huge for the Rams. I do think the Rams sneak in and get the final wild card berth in the NFC. The AFC, I think, is a lot trickier. The AFC is really tough here. Here are my three wild card predictions here for the AFC. Browns get the um, five seed. The Colts get the six seed. And the Texans get the seven seed. So the Steelers, I think, on the outside looking in. And the Broncos, I think, on the outside looking in. I'm not... For the Browns, I'm not concerned about the quarterback situation. Dwayne Thompson-Robinson, P.J. Walker, now Joe Flacco's in the mix. I don't think it truly matters because what makes Cleveland a great team is their defense and their run game. I thought Kevin Stefanski got too pass-happy against the Broncos on Sunday. If he maintains that balance and really makes it more and skews more towards run-heavy, I think that will work for this offense better. But the Browns, I think, are too talented outside of quarterback to miss out on the playoffs. I still like Cleveland. I'm not panicking after their loss on Sunday to the the Broncos. Browns are in the playoffs. The Colts, man, did not see this coming, but I think they are absolutely a playoff team. Even with Gardner Minshew playing, the Colts have the easiest schedule remaining down the stretch here, their final six games of the season. So that's a big boost for them. They play a few teams as well at home, Um, that are in front of them in the Steelers. And then behind them, the Texans, they still have those two teams on their schedule at home here going forward so they could take care of business and win some key tiebreakers against teams above and below them in the playoff race. And the Colts, when it's all said and done, will be a playoff team. 
And I like the Texans, man. I think the Texans, for how young they are, I think we'll find a way to get to the postseason, and we're going to see three teams from the AFC South make the playoffs. Just what we all thought. Just like we all predicted when the season first started, the AFC South being the playoff feeder and getting three teams into the AFC playoffs. But I don't trust the Steelers. Why I have the, the Texans and really the Colts in over the Steelers is even though, yes, they finally got 400 yards of total offense, it's a revelation. You fire Mike, uh, Matt Canada, and all of a sudden this offense looks sort of functional. But the one thing no one's really mentioning is with all those yards the Steelers got, they scored 16 points. That's it. 16 points is not enough to win you most games. And even though they have an easy schedule coming down the stretch here, I just can't trust this offense to make enough plays to put them in a position to be in a playoff spot. And I do think a little bit is they have, I don't want to say lucky, but they have the turnover. The turnovers have been in their favor, we'll say. They've got a lot of timely key turnovers, especially deep in the red zone. And I just don't think that's going to continue. Like that's part of the of what makes Pittsburgh right now in this position with our seven and four is they've gotten a ton of turnovers and they have benefited from a lot of other teams' mistakes. If teams cut out the mistakes, I don't know how Pittsburgh's winning. Their offense is still not good enough. Kenny Pickett ain't it. And so I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit down the stretch here. I don't think Pittsburgh makes the playoffs. And I don't think the Broncos make the playoffs. At the Texans this Sunday, I think that Houston wins that game. At the Lions in a few weeks as well, two tough teams. So while the Broncos are hot right now, winners of five in a row, kind of like the Steelers, they've been benefiting a lot from a ton of turnovers. I just don't think you can keep that rate up the rest of the year. Like Denver has 14, they had, I think it was three. Well, they had, I forget the number, so I'll just keep it simple in terms of before going into the Browns game. They had 13 turnovers forced in four games. 13 turnovers in four games, and I think it was three more they got against Cleveland. That's just not sustainable. That's just in order to get, you know, it's it's one thing if it just happens and your offense is having success anyway. The Broncos, like the Steelers, their offense in a way is predicated on these massive turnovers. Massive turnover numbers. And so I don't think that that is sustainable enough to make the playoffs. So I don't think the Broncos are making it. I don't think the Steelers are making it. So the AFC playoff predictions, Browns, Colts, Texans, NFC, Cowboys, Vikings, Rams. When we return here on the show, it is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. The future of Caleb Williams. He, in an article with the LA Times that was published this week, said he's a game-time decision when it comes to declaring for the NFL draft. Is there any chance he comes back to USC for 2024? We discuss next.
This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Great song. What a great song. Nice job, Jack Cardi on the, not only producing, on the ones and twos tonight. For us right here on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of the ones and twos, Spotify's put out their Spotify wrapped list. Jack, are you a Spotify uh, user? Are you uh, you got your wrapped list out there? I do, yeah. Oh, you do have the list. Yeah, I uh, I don't use it as frequent, like as often as other people usually do. But I like like looked, I made it, and I saw, and I I was kind, of, I wasn't actually as surprised as I thought I was gonna be about like what kind of music I have on my thing. But yeah, there you go. So for those who are unaware, Spotify does this every year towards the end of the year. They compile all the minutes you listen. They take you know record of which songs you listen to, how many times. They basically just have like a overall recap of the year of what you listen to. And so they they put top five artists you listen to, the kind of music you listen to, and also the the top five most listened to songs of the year. Do you have your list available, Jack? Do you have the number one song you listen to the most in 2023? The one, the, the song I listen to the most, and I, I'm not surprised, I do listen to it a lot, it's uh, but The Wallflowers, One Headlights. They come on, got a little. Nothing is forever. Nothing better than wow, in the middle. a throwback. Yeah, I, that's a good song. I like listening to that song when I like usually um, go for like my walks and stuff. Wow, like yeah, that song's been around like what twenty years? I think like that was yeah. Like, it's what? an old. It's a very old song. Yeah, yeah. Why? Like, have you always listened to that song? Is that like a twenty twenty three specific? No, I, I just in general, I always like that song. Okay, so that's like on your top five every year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and this year is number one. Um. My song is number one is also a throwback, uh, a very old song, but I only started listening to it this year. It is Rasputin by Boney M. <laughs> really? Number one that's, that's, banger. That's awesome. Heard that song first, like in a TikTok video of like one guy that like ran back at like the Waste Manager Phoenix Open. Like I think one guy ran on the course or whatever and got tackled mm-hmm. and like the, like the music in the video and the background was that song. Oh, this is a catchy song. Like, I got to hear it. And then I found it. And when I do a lot, I don't know if, I mean, I don't think many people listen to music the way I do. So let me, if, if you do the same thing, Jack, please let me know. Uh, we got a bond of this because I don't know many other people that do. Um, I listen to like the same song on repeat for like weeks at a time. Like kind of like basically the radio, what the radio does. Where any new song they play like once an hour, every hour for like, three weeks straight until you basically get sick of it, and then you never hear that song again. They play it to death, yeah. Right. That's exactly how I listen to music. And this was one of the songs that has kind of survived the death portion, where I listened, I learned about it in February. So like for basically the entire month of February, this was always, anytime I opened Spotify, boom, number one song I listened to, or like would wait two or three songs, then put it on. Every day for like a month. But unlike most songs, they kind of then fade to black and then move on and the other songs come in or just feel a different genre. This has survived the test of time for 2023 at least. Wow. It's, uh, it definitely made uh, yeah, made the cut. Made the cut for sure. Yeah, it's um, the top five list really fast here. A lot of people made fun of me for this. I don't know why. I think it's a pretty good top five list. And I think these songs are all bangers. Um, a lot of my friends said, why would you share that publicly? You are making yourself <laughs> look like a fool. But Rasputin is number one. And also, you know that song. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. That is good because half my friends don't even know that song. 
So that was half the battle as well, trying to educate them. Like, yeah, yeah. And then they listened to it and they said, oh, really, that's your number one song. But anyway, that's a lot of people are judging me. It's I'm sorry. Keeping Your Head Up by Birdie. You know that song? Keeping Your Head Up. You gotta keep your head up, darling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great song. Yeah, that is a good song, yeah. Number two. Number three, Hands on the Wheel. I, that's an ASAP Rocky song. We probably can't play it because there's a lot of curses in there. Mm. Um, good one, though. No Control, One Direction. We played that before. Yes, yes. And Shotgun, George Ezra. You know that song? I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a... Well, we could play that one coming back here to maybe jog the memory or educate you for the first time, but... It is a top five list that is random, that involves a lot of old songs. I'm also very, very slow to the to the new music, you know? You gotta like have it be out there for a long time and then realize that like I'll stumble upon it. I'm not someone who can like kind of learn about new DJs or new songs like, yeah. early on. I'm very late to the game. Um, so that's why the top five is um, as a lot of people would describe it embarrassing. Yeah, I mean I nothing embarrassing about it. you like the music, might as well, you know, listen to what you like. I, I'm also like really bad with with music too like I'll listen to a new song and I'm like oh that's a catchy song and I'll have no idea like what the song is called or like what who sings it like I, it's my brother all the time I'm always like oh like what's that new song that came out he goes how does it go I'm like I, I don't really know and he goes All right, who, who sings it I'm like I don't really like I don't know and he's like well I really can't help you if you A don't know the name of this like you don't know how it goes or who sings it I, I don't know how to it drives my brother crazy I am in the same boat because I Terrible with lyrics, awful with who sings it. And, and thank God Spotify at least has changed, like, the way you search. So you can, like, just kind of type in lyrics, and they'll be able to sort the song for you. And I found a lot of songs using that new service. Which is I've cool. used it, too. Like, I'll like you know, I'll hold my phone up against, like, you know, you'll press down, and, like, just kind of, like, plays it. And you're like, okay, this is what Shazam this song is. Shazam it. Yeah, I Shazam it all the time. And I'm I, that helps me out, too. But, yeah, no, I, I drive my brother crazy. And I got a bunch, a bunch of people crazy. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, this song came out. It was kind of good, but couldn't tell you, like, you know, <laughs> I couldn't describe the beat. It's, it's, it's bad. It's embarrassing. So you were listening to CBS Sports Radio. You were also listening to two musically challenged people. Ryan Hickey here, Jack Hardy producing. We are not exactly the, the, uh, the people with the ear on the ground when it comes to music. That is for sure. So we'll try to at least stick to what we know, and that is hopefully sports. Um, speaking of which, really interesting article came out today in the L.A. Times. And that was an interview with Caleb Williams, star USC quarterback, who called it a quote-unquote game-time decision in terms of whether he is going to enter in this year's draft or stay at USC for another year. Look, for it, he's going to the NFL. There's no doubt about it. He is going to enter the NFL draft. It makes no sense for him to return to USC. They're not winning a national title next year with him back because there's too many flaws on USC's roster. But with that said, I think in this new world of NIL, with players getting paid, I think absolutely here in the near future, we are going to see a Caleb Williams-esque prospect shun the draft and go back to college. I think we will see one of these for sure number one picks bypass the draft and still return to college here for another year in the near future because I think now the money is going to be enticing. Like, the money in college football now is is becoming a real factor to convince kids to stay. Like, we just saw, right, Jimbo Fisher get fired, and A&M Boosters raised $76 million to have him not work for them. Why can't, let's just say, if A&M had Caleb Williams, 
and they were on the brink of winning a national title, losing the conference championship game, losing the college football playoff semifinal, losing the national title game, let's just say. You're really telling me that A&M boosters or Alabama boosters or Georgia boosters, Oregon, Washington, like a lot of schools have money. You're really telling me that those boosters couldn't raise $10, 15000000 million in order to entice their star quarterback to come back and run it back one more time? I think we're absolutely going to see that. Why not? Like, why not use your resources to try to win a national title? We saw it on a smaller-esque scale, uh, scale, I should say, with Bo Nix returning to Oregon this year, Michael Penix Jr. returning to Washington, Jaden Daniels returning to LSU this season. Now, they were not going to be top picks in the draft, and it's not like they got paid $10 million to come back to their respective school. But let's just say if Bo Nix, Penix, even Jaden Daniels had one more year of eligibility for next year, you really tell me Oregon couldn't sit there and say, you know what? Look, Bo's great. We have so much of this team coming back next year. Look, if we can just raise $15 million, I think Bo will stay for one more year and give it, you know, one more crack at winning a national title. Let's raise this money now. They would make that money in an hour. And so it's not going to be Caleb Williams. Because, again, one, I just think at this point we're not there yet in terms of fundraising for, you know, keeping these big prospects. But also, really, too, for USC, it makes no sense. It makes no sense for Caleb Williams to return, but also makes no sense for USC to, to try to spend all this money to bring Caleb Williams back because they're not a national title team. We just They just went 7-5. and five. But Caleb Williams, they're unhealthy the entire season. There are too many holes that USC can't fill this offseason to where bringing Caleb Williams back makes them a national title contender. So it's not going to be with Caleb, but I think sometime soon we're going to see a big-time college prospect, a surefire top 10, top 5, maybe even number one overall pick, return to college, get a big payday to return to college, and run it back to try to win a national title. It's coming down the pike. We're not there yet in 2023. It's, though, coming soon. All right, speaking of some of the names we just mentioned here, Bo Nick, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels, all three of those guys, the three quarterbacks right now that are the favorites or, or in the race, I should say, to win the Heisman Trophy. The Heisman Trophy is going to be won Friday night. And I'll tell you why when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports. This Radio. is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. I want to explain why the Heisman Trophy will be won on the field Friday night in Las Vegas here in one second. But as a reminder, this portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Suck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. All right, the Pac-12 title game on Friday night is going to decide who wins this Heisman Trophy. If Oregon wins, the Heisman winner is Bo Nix. If Washington wins, the Heisman winner is Michael Penix Jr. That's it. One game is going to decide who wins the Heisman Trophy here 
in 2023. It's a two-man race. Knicks, Penix. That's it. Jaden Daniels, tremendous season for LSU. He, though, I don't think is in contention for it. Here's why. The Heisman Trophy race is a two-pronged race, right? You got to have the stats, obviously, in order to be in the mix. But you also need a Heisman moment. You also need a storybook moment that really defines you winning the award. Look back at any team, uh, any team, any player that's won the award recently. There is a Heisman moment you can pick out and say, oh, yeah, of course. That right there. Signature win, signature play as to why they are Heisman Trophy winners. Go back. Every single player, you can find at least one Heisman moment. And so all three have similar stats. Knicks, Penix, Daniels. All, for the most part, in the ballpark. Some, you know, some are more passing yards. Some have a little bit more touchdowns. Some are a little bit more efficient. It's all, I think, at that point, nitpicking. Tomato, tomato. It's all the same. But the separator is that Heisman moment. And look at the Heisman moments Bo Nix, Michael Penix have in front of them on Friday night that Jaden Daniels does not have this weekend and did not have at any point this season. If Oregon beats Washington, look at the case for Bo Nix. The Ducks are in the college football playoff. You have Nix and the Ducks avenging their only loss of the season, winning what has been the toughest conference in the country this year, the Pac-12. And Nix has had an insanely, historically efficient season throwing the ball. I mean, this is a guy, like, we're in December. He is completing on the season almost 80% of his passes. It's unheard of. It's unbelievable. How he can be so efficient, so accurate. When he throws the ball, I mean, honestly, more than two times a game, it's not like it's just like one pass here and there. He throws the ball a good amount every game, and he's completing most of those passes each and every game. It's truly unbelievable. But if you look at that Heisman moment for Knicks, taking the Ducks to the playoff, revenging their loss, winning the toughest conference in college football in 2023, operating one of the most explosive, consistent offenses in all the country. When you look at Oregon so far this year, their worst, worst offensive game they've had was their most recent game against Oregon State. It was a really good defense, by the way. They dropped 31 points. 31 points is the lowest and worst offensive game for the Ducks this season. If that does not scream potent, explosive, and consistent, nothing does. This has arguably been one of the the most explosive and the most consistent offense in college football this season. And Bo Nix is quarterbacking it. There's your Heisman moment. In Vegas, beating Washington, Hoisting that Pac-12 championship trophy, that is Bo Nix's Heisman moment. For Michael Penix Jr., it's a lot of what I just said, but opposite. If Washington beats Oregon, the Huskies and Michael Penix Jr. 
would be 13-0, would be also going to the college football playoff, would also win the toughest conference in the country this year, unscathed, by the way, go white, perfect 13-0. And I think the deepest and best conference in college football in 2023. And oh yeah, by the way, do so on literally the arm of Penix. Like, what has Washington been critiqued for? They play no defense. Well, they really can't run the ball. They're one-dimensional. All they do is have an elite passing game and nothing else. You can use that as a knock as to why they should not be in the playoff or why you don't think they're going to beat Oregon. But if they do beat Oregon, because of Michael Penix Jr.'s arm, what are we talking about? That is an amazing accomplishment. That is Heisman worthy right there. He went 13-0 in the toughest conference in the country, all on his left shoulder. With no run game to rely on, they, they had it at times, but no consistent run game to rely on and no consistent defensive efforts to rely on as well. Oh, yeah, by the way, two wins over a top 10 Ducks team. And if Washington wins, four wins over top 20 opponents, most in college football. There's your Heisman moment. There it is right there for Michael Penix Jr. So Bo Nix has his Heisman moment waiting for him in Vegas. Penix has his own Heisman moment waiting for him in um, in Vegas on Friday night. What is Jaden Daniels' Heisman moment? What was that one time this year? Like, holy, how can you believe it? And this big of a game, Daniels made that play. Because whether you want to admit it or not, it's an individual award, but team success absolutely matters. You don't have to make the college football playoff. You don't have to be the number one team in the country in order to win the Heisman Trophy. Your team's bare minimum, though, got to be in the mix, or you got to be head and shoulders above everyone else. Daniels, his team is not in the mix at 9-3. and three. I don't think Jaden Daniels, statistically or just how he's played the game, is by far and away the best player in college football. And there's no Heisman moment. Like, if I ask you, like, what is your biggest memory from Jaden Daniels this season? I mean, is it the 85-yard run against Florida a few weeks ago, the touchdown run he had? The Heisman moment can't be against a 5-7 and seven Florida team when your team's already out of the playoff picture. He was bad against Florida State in the first game of the year. Now, this is not his fault, but this is also a fact. Knocked out and could not finish the Alabama game earlier this season. So there was no, that was an opportunity for a big Heisman moment. Jalen Milrow took the moment and took over the second half. Now, again, Daniels, it's not his fault. He got knocked out. I would argue a dirty hit. But that's what happened. And so we're talking about Jaden Daniels. The stats are amazing. We're not discounting that. But a, an 85-yard run against Florida, a great comeback against AM, those aren't Heisman moments. And that's what Jaden Daniels is missing. LSU's been out of the playoff picture for basically six weeks. They lost to Ole Miss in the middle of October. 
Second loss, they're done. So they've been, I'm not going to say irrelevant. That's not fair. But in terms of folks watching college football and looking to see who's in the playoff mix, they've been out of it for half the season. Three losses, no signature moment. I don't see how Jaden Daniels can win the Heisman Trophy this year. The odds say he has a really good chance. He's second behind right now, Bo Nix. But if Bo Nix, let's say, loses to Washington on Friday night, that doesn't mean Daniels wins. That means Penix wins. That would mean Penix outdueled Nix and beat him for the second time this year. That's Penix's moment. Jaden Daniels doesn't have a moment. He'll be invited to New York, rightfully so. He should be lauded for a great year that he had. When it comes to winning the Heisman Trophy, you need stats, but you also need that storybook moment. It is a story. And not having that moment, I think, is what is going to be the the biggest indicator and the biggest downfall for why Daniels is not going to finish first, why he's not going to be hoisting the trophy. It's going to be decided Friday night, and the winner is going to be Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is winning this year's Heisman Trophy because Oregon is avenging their loss to Washington and they're going to the college football playoff. And this has nothing to do with it because the, the voting is already done before the playoff starts. I know there's a Heisman curse, if you will. I mean, Joe Burrow broke that, but for the most part, the stats, kind of like the Madden curse, are not really great for Heisman winners having success in postseason play. But I think Oregon's winning the national title this year. They're sweeping the awards. Knicks winning the the Heisman, Oregon winning the Natty. We are going to see that happen this year in 2023. Oregon's been a tremendous team, led by Bo Nix. He's going to finish the deal in terms of his Heisman race here on Friday night. I think Oregon in a few weeks is going to seal the deal for them here and lock it up in a few weeks from now um, in terms of winning the national title. This is, I hate, the one thing I I don't like in in general with sports is that you really can't prop somebody up without knocking someone else down. So I I understand and I feel bad. That sounds, like I'm not trying to poo-poo what what Danos has accomplished this year. Like that's not what I'm trying to do here in explaining why I think Bo Nix should win or Michael Penix Jr. should win. But I do think that's the one area that I've not seen enough people mention when it comes to Daniels' case to winning the Heisman. It is a real thing. You do need that moment. You do, bare minimum, need your team to be in the mix here for, I mean, at least 75% of the year. Like Caleb Williams' team last year at USA didn't go to the playoff. He won the Heisman Trophy. Didn't penalize him for not being one of the four teams. Johnny Menzel won it with an A&M team. That was not very good in terms of, in terms of right like title contention, or even SEC title contention. So again, it's not like it's a prerequisite to have your team in the playoff race or in the playoff period to win the trophy. But you do need to have your team in it, fair or not. And LSU's defense is bad, so it's not like Jaden Daniels himself played LSU out of playoff contention. But it is just, right now, history, 
historically, I should say wise, it's been a factor. Team success has been a factor. And so when you add it all up, I don't think that we'll see Jaden Daniels, no matter who wins Friday night, winning the Heisman Trophy. All right, if you like what you hear, hopefully you do, make sure you check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E, available wherever you do get your pods. That's where every hour this show is uploaded to. Also, though, check me out on YouTube. Just search Ryan Hicking and uh, subscribe to the channel. Post a lot of videos, not just when I host here on CBS Sports Radio. Post a lot of videos as well throughout the week. So not on consistently, so still give you an opportunity to give you my thoughts as well without at least being right here on CBS Sports Radio. So YouTube, check out Ryan Hickey. A lot of video content uploaded to that page as well. When we return here on the show, Aaron Rodgers is back practicing with the Jets. Is there any way in which he returns? We'll discuss next. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.